This is KABF in Little Rock, 88.3, the voice of the people in central Arkansas. For Radio Cows, a weekly program from the Central Arkansas Library System. Every Wednesday from 6 to 6.30 p.m. here on KABF 88.3 FM, we'll share with you conversations with interesting Arkansans on primary sources, chewing the fat with Rex and Paul, and much, much more. We invite you to let us know what else you want to hear by contacting us at radiocows at cows.org. This program is presented by the Butler Center for Arkansas Studies and the Cows Communications and Public Relations Department. For more information about Radio Cows, please visit the Butler Center's blog at butlercenter.org. Hello, and welcome to Primary Sources, a featured production of Radio Cows. Here on Primary Sources, we focus on people who are making a difference in Little Rock and Arkansas. Some you might have heard of and some you haven't heard of, but probably want to know about. Check out cows.org slash podcasts for a free podcast of Primary Sources interviews. This is Brian Robertson and, and we are in the Arkansas Studies Institute building doing an interview for the Butler Center's Arkansas Vietnam War Project. Your name, sir? My name is Jacob Edward Odell III. Most people call me Eddie. <laughs> okay, Eddie. Tell me a little bit about yourself. For example, when and where you were born. I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, uh, July 12, 1950. Okay. And what were your parents' names? Uh, uh, Jacob Edward Odell Jr. and Ray Ellen Odell. Now, what did your did both of your parents work, or did just your father work? My what dad did they do for a living? My dad worked for the waterworks, okay. and uh, he spent his whole life working for them. Uh, he managed ended ended up managing Lake Winona, and then managed Lake Maumil, where we get our major water supply. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. Did you have, have any siblings, brothers? Uh, or sisters? I I had three brothers. Okay. Now, where did you fall into that? I'm school? the oldest. The oldest, okay. What was that like? <laughs> Guess you got to pick on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, I wasn't real nice to my next to the oldest brother, but uh, mm-hmm. we we made amends through the years. Mm-hmm. Now, where did you go to school? Uh, Little Rock Central High. Okay. I ended, ended up teaching there. Really? Uh, years later, taught there for nine years. Mm-hmm. So, did you graduate from Central? Yes. Yeah. What year was that? Do you know? Uh, sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. <clears throat> so, what led you to join the service? Uh, my my grades were terrible. Um, I made C's and D's throughout my time in high school, and and I knew that. I would be drafted, so I just decided to go on and get it over with. Mm-hmm. Was there any particular reason that you decided to join the Marine Corps? I was I was in great shape back then, and uh, I I, uh, I was gung ho, cocky, and uh, mm-hmm. those were the major things, I guess. Yeah. 
So what were your parents' reactions to you joining? My dad thought I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> he he thought I sh- if anything I should join the army, which prob I probably should have, but uh, it was something I I felt I needed to do. Did you have any particular feelings about communism and the spread of communism or anything like that? Uh, some. Um, I wasn't very political back then uh, as I am today. Uh, I went from being not not caring one way or another on, on politics, but uh, when I got older, uh, well, during Vietnam, I, I found found out how the politics plays in war, and that made me more liberal. Uh, and when I went into college, I was more liberal then, and somewhere along the line, I, I reached an epiphany through the years and became more conservative. <laughs> but uh, usually somebody will, uh, through the ages, will be- become more conservative in their thoughts. Uh, and I-, I call it an ep- epiphany. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can see that. So where did you, uh, you remember, did you enlist here in Little Rock? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I signed up in the I believe we we signed up in the old uh, post office building, right by the courthouse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they did our physical there. Now, did you go down there by yourself? Yes, you did. Okay. I was eighteen at the time, so my parents didn't have to sign for me. Okay. All right. So where did you do uh, boot camp? Uh, uh, San Diego. Uh, and um, from what I hear, they don't even have a uh, boot camp there anymore. Hmm. Uh, um, and then we did, um, after three months, I guess it was three months of boot camp, then you go to uh, Camp Pendleton for tra- for your training, and I was just a rifleman, so uh, I just uh, went through the rifleman training. So what did you think about boot camp? I was in great shape back then, so it, it didn't affect me that much. Um, you you had people that, uh, well, the drill instructors back then could beat on you and get away with it, and and they would. And uh, one time I didn't knock hard enough like Gomer Powell yeah. and, uh, uh, at the door, and the drill instructor was from Little Rock. and. Uh, he was African-American, had gone to Central High, and he knew that I had gone to Central High, being Caucasian. He didn't think too highly of me. Yeah. Well, uh, he hit me with a, a baseball bat uh, in the stomach, and like I said, I was in great shape, so I just bounced back, and I was, I was okay with yeah. it, and uh, after that, he left me alone, never, mm-hmm. never messed with me again. Mm-hmm. In boot camp, they would try and mentally mess with your mind. Uh, we had a guy that was Asian, 
-hmm. and he would uh, they would call him the uh, gook uh, and uh, they were trying to see if he could handle the pressure and he couldn't mm -hmm. uh, he ended up breaking it one but we had several people that broke and uh, they got him out of there with a medical discharge I think mm -hmm. That's about all of yeah. camp. Yeah. So do you remember when you, f I know you said you kind of assumed you were going to go to Vietnam. Do you remember when you actually found out? I think it was, they send you home for, uh, after your training, they'll send you home and uh, for a month almost. And that way you get to say bye to everybody and you won't see them for a, a year, over a year and uh, they at that point tell you where uh, that you are going to Vietnam mm -hmm. they wh when I when I came back from visiting my folk folks um, I went back to Camp Pendleton waiting to be sent over and they offered me a job as a cook yeah. and uh, I turned it down because I they said I would be eventually sent over to Vietnam anyway. And uh, so I, I just wanted to get it over get with. Over. Yeah. So how did you get over to Vietnam? Uh, they flew us commercial. Uh, the flight went through uh, Hawaii. And so I got to see Diamond Head for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we flew on uh, to uh, Okinawa that point but uh, on the flight we had uh, uh, the guy sitting next to me was the cousin of Waylon Jennings <laughs> and he did not want to go mm -hmm. and when we got to Hawaii he pretended like he was having a heart attack and they took him off of the air airplane and uh, in an ambulance and we never saw him again so mm -hmm. we don't know what happened yeah so was everybody on the plane going to vietnam i don't remember okay i can't remember yeah hmm. and so you went to Hawaii, and then okinawa and then you went from okinawa to vietnam yes yeah uh, in okinawa you leave your sea bags uh all of your personal valuables and stuff and they claim that they're going to keep them locked up in a place and they'd be safe. Well, they weren't safe. <laughs> um, I, I didn't have much of anything, though, but uh, they did take what they could. Mm -hmm. So do you remember where you flew in? Did you fly? I guess you flew into Vietnam. Yes, uh, Da Nang. Okay. And um, as soon as you get off of the airplane, the heat hits you. And it's just like, like that, mm -hmm. and, and you're you're trying to catch your breath. They uh, they did have MPs run up on the plane uh, with with rifles ready, saying that they would shoot you if you made if you got out of line anywhere. Uh, you stay in line and and do what you're told, and we did. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So why, I I'm curious, why do you think that? they would do something i mean well had they had problems before that you know guys getting out of line or something that they felt like they had to go to that 
the extreme, extreme yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't know huh that's, that's kind of interesting so did you um, you landed in Da Nang were you in Da Nang for a while or yes did you go uh, for about uh, two or three days and uh, you didn't get to leave the base you had to stay in a certain area and but, but going from the air, the airport to the uh, base that you were at, you got to see a little bit of the people out on the street. And, and there was a place called Dog Patch that you went through, which was uh, the Vietnamese people. You'd see some prostitutes, and uh, you'd see little kids out on the street uh, uh, using the bathroom. You'd see grown-ups using the bathroom out in the street. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a, it was a different world. Oh boy, from Little Rock, Arkansas, I bet that was a little shocking or eye-opening. I yeah. guess you could mm -hmm. say, yeah. So, you know, had you been assigned at that point to your unit, or did you know where which unit you were going to go to, or did uh, we didn't know until we were being flown to our I can't remember if I was flown or choppered. I'm sure I was flown because the, uh, my group was, uh, uh, I was, I was assigned to Kilo 3-4, 3rd Marine Division. And our rear area was further north, Quang uh, Tree, Dong Ha, in that area. And uh, uh, I stayed there for about three days, and that's where you are issued your rifle and your uh, flak jacket and backpacks and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But none of it is new stuff. It's just stuff that's been recycled uh, mm -hmm. to different to the newer uh, newer grunt. Right. So what would you say that the uh morale was like at that point with the guys, the new guys coming in? Well, the, when you're back in the rear, that they don't have any thought of you one way or another. You are to fill a spot right there. Uh, so at night, you would have to stand uh, watch out on the perimeter, and that was the only usefulness they had <laughs> for you at that time. And, and uh, uh, that was my initiation to uh, uh, to rats uh, out on the perimeters where people would throw their garbage, uh, sea rations and stuff. And when they did, uh, the rats would would come and eat them. And uh, in the middle of the night, if it wasn't your watch, you'd be laying down sleeping in, uh, on the ground, and uh, uh, rats would come up and, uh, on your chest. And, and, and you you just grab it and throw it as far <laughs> as you could and uh, and then you try and get some sleep again uh -huh. I never got bit by a rat though uh -huh. some guys out in the bush uh, when we were out in the bush if if they were getting short time uh, to stay they would prick themselves with the little can opener that we had to open the sea rations they would prick themselves somewhere and say they got bit by a rat and then they would get sent back to the rear area where it was safe, 
but they would have to get those rabies shots. Uh, uh-huh. And that was in the stomach, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And I, I couldn't see the value of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that didn't sound too good. No. Um, so do you remember where you were assigned to first? Um, we were choppered from from Quang Tree or Dong Ha to a place called LZ Stud. It's uh, our Vandergrift, and it's it's a place that is just southeast of Quezon, uh, a few miles from there, and uh, that was the closest rear area that we got to go to uh, whenever we were pulled out of the bush for anything. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, from there, we were chop- choppered to uh, a hill on the DMZ. This, the DMZ has uh, was an area that uh, the North Vietnamese weren't supposed to come down and we weren't supposed to go in. But we stayed on this hill and we would go into the DMZ and, and the hill was in the southern part of the southern line of the DMZ and I guess they were getting saying they were getting around it by being legally not in the ZM, DMZ but we really were. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we stayed there for Oh, over a month, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, saw some action there. Uh, we would usually see something. It, it, any action would be, could be a, a firefight, uh, an ambush. Uh, it, it could be mortars coming in, uh, or we would fire mortars. Uh, we traveled as a company. Uh, of men, not, uh, it wasn't a large company, but I, I can't remember how many people were on the hill when I got there. Oh, when we did land on the hill, the the helicopter, it, it's not like the, the Huey helicopters that you see on TV. Uh, the Marines are in the long helicopters, uh, I think they call them Sea Knights, mm-hmm. uh, Chinooks, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. But uh, anyway, they, they, told, they told us to jump out of the back end of it because they wouldn't land the helicopter completely. Just and just kind of hover. And yeah. uh, my first introduction to, to the bush was they, th- they th- threw us a uh, mailbag out there and they said, land on the, on the mailbag. And I did, and when I did, I landed right between a stump, my legs right between. <laughs> and uh, I looked to my left, and there were two uh, body bags. Uh, two mm-hmm. of our guys were, were killed, uh, mm-hmm. and they, they were loading them onto the helicopter. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, uh, So what were your living conditions like there? You slept on the ground. Uh, The Marines dug trenches. They didn't dig foxholes, or they said they didn't dig foxholes, but you you dig what you need to. Uh, 
I didn't. I wasn't into digging much. I, I was. I was a slacker on that, and uh, I. I just felt I, I, I'd take my chances. Um, but they had already dug a, a trench all the way around the top of this hill, and they uh, from different times that the the top had been blown apart, and and there were stumps maybe that high, uh, and you could hide behind a stump if you had to, mm-hmm. which I did. <laughs> um, we would see action maybe once once a month or, or twice a month. Uh, and like I said, it wasn't hand-to-hand combat. Never, never had to do that. We had way too much power mm-hmm. uh, over the enemy on that. Uh, you, what you see on TV, uh, I'm not saying the, some of those things didn't happen. It, it just didn't happen where we were, mm-hmm. and never heard of it happening. Never heard of a place being overrun by the enemy uh, where we were at. Right. So were you uh, mostly involved with the NVA? Yes. You know who you went up yeah, against? When, yeah. Uh, up in the mountains, when something moves. It's the enemy or an animal, one of the two. Uh, they said that there were rock apes up there that threw things at you from the trees, but we never saw that. Um, I did see a few animals, uh, two snakes, and uh, don't know what kind they were. But uh, uh, up in the mountains, I only saw one. And then I, when I transferred down around Denang, Later on, uh, I did see a bamboo viper hmm. and had to kill it with uh, one of those e-tools to shovel. Mm-hmm. And I just killed it. It was in a, a foxhole. Oh, wow. So that's, oh, that's one of the reasons I don't like foxholes. Uh-huh. But there's certain things that, that uh, come to mind that when, when you... You got back to the rear area maybe once every other month, uh, maybe maybe every three months. And, and when you get back there, there's a certain smell that you're, uh, that to this very day, when I smell diesel fuel, I think of safety because that was, it permeated the air back in the rear area. And uh, any, any type of vest, I think of like a, a, a flak jacket, mm-hmm. and, and so I think of that as something comforting, protecting. Right. It's kind of weird. That's <laughs> no, not weird. Not weird at all. Um. So while you were up on the hill, did you guys ever come under attack while you were up there? Um. Sorta. Um. Mm-hmm. What we would do is we would go on patrols in uh, from the top of the hill we'd go down uh, there was a place we would get water uh, and uh, uh, some somebody got uh, shot at going going to get water uh, you would send the squad down to get water or go on patrol and uh, one one time I was don't know if I should say this or not, but I was 
I was on the shitter. <laughs> That's okay. When, when you're when you're when you're at a spot and you're going to be there for more than like three or four days, the Marines build a shitter, and it'll be out of uh, uh, thin uh, wood that uh, crates that you would unload uh, the mortar rounds in, and and you would make a, a, a toilet there. Mm-hmm. Well, I was on that. And uh, when all of a sudden I heard crack, 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 and it was the enemy sound of rifles, and but it was off in the distance a little bit. And what had happened was one of the uh, other squads had got uh, walked into an ambush, but the enemy uh, had uh, shot the the point man and just shot him in the arm, uh, and he wasn't hurt real bad, but. Uh, Anyway, they told us to saddle up, and, and here I was in that predicament. <laughs> and and uh, I tried to clean as best I could, <laughs> and uh, uh, we took off. And, and uh, while we were out, out there, we had, they had us get on, online and go up this hill, and uh, uh, we got, uh, we, they were shooting at us, and we were shooting at them. and, and uh, we all got down on the ground, and the machine gunner uh, was next to me. And you don't want to get close to the machine gunner. I found out real quick. Mm-hmm. The shells will sh- shoot over, and they're hot. Mm-hmm. And one of them went down my, my <laughs> back, of my flak jacket, and was burning. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I put my arm up like this to block anything, and and uh, his canister of uh, machine gun shells were was here, and a bullet hit that uh, canister and ricocheted off. Wow! That uh, that was the closest I ever got to being shot, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we ended up getting two uh, two of the enemy that day, and one of them was a Chinese observer. Hmm. As uh, his he was physically bigger than uh, the Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. You could tell that he stood out. Mm-hmm. So what, what happened took, with him? We took the papers off of both of them and um, any weapons and, and took them back back up the hill. And Oh, uh, was that while we were online going up the hill, I kept smelling something. <laughs> and I thought it was me and not being clean and and uh, uh, it turned out that it was me but it wasn't that it was the adrenaline had caused me to have such bad breath that it was huh. just in my face and, and uh, I don't know you you just different things affect you whenever you're in a situation that kicks in that adrenaline uh-huh. so at, at that point, you're the new guy, basically, or one yeah. of the newer guys. Yeah, I was supposed to be the point man that day, th- that day, but for some reason, the uh, our uh, sergeant told told me no, wait another day. And the sergeant was very very intelligent guy. We called him Deputy Dog, and he was from New York. 
and he was a conscientious objector. Hmm. He carried a pistol, but no no rounds in it, and he would direct fire, and uh, he, he could read a map real good. He taught me. Once I got over there, I, I knew I had to take care of myself, and uh, I could not depend upon my fellow man, because the very first night we were on a, a listening post, and one of the guys fell asleep that was supposed to be awake, and they came down in, from uh, the hill and threw rocks at us to wake us up, and uh, he, all he, the only thing he got in trouble for was he had to pay, they took 50 bucks out of his hmm. paycheck, and, and that was his punishment. We could have been killed, right? And uh, so, I, everything I could, I learned. I learned how to read a map. Uh, I could, I could tell where what a topographical map where where water would probably be at on the edge of a hill, uh, so you wouldn't have to go down to the jungle down in the bottom uh, all the time. And uh, I could, I learned to call in mortars so that you wouldn't have to do any cl close combat and uh, um, that helped save the day quite a bit. Well, appreciate you coming in today uh -huh. and hearing about your service. Well, you got to hear more than you probably wanted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's not true at all, not true mm. at all. I, I enjoyed hearing all of it. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you, thank you. You've been listening to Primary Sources on Radio Cows, a production of the Central Arkansas Library System, its Arkansas History Department, the Butler Center for Arkansas Studies, and the Cows Communications and Public Relations Department. For more information, please visit cows.org and butlercenter.org. Our producer is Glenn Whaley. Production manager is Shelley Stormo. Voices by Jasmine Job and John Miller. Engineering and editing by Anna Lancaster and Shelley Stormo. This is KABF in Little Rock, 88.3, the voice of the people in central Arkansas.